welcome in, which is welcome in Icelandic. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the creator and the host of the podcast. I'm very excited to have you all back for another episode today. So thank you for tuning in wherever you may be. I know you're not tuning in, but thank you for listening, whether you are a new listener or somebody who has been listening for a while. So if you are new, thank you. A very special thank you for joining. I hope you enjoy this episode with my longtime friend, Jeff Bruner. (laughs) You'll get to see right off the bat um some something very funny in the very beginning of this episode that just shows how much we have talked with one another which i'm saying that kind of jokingly and we really have known each other for quite a while but you know sometimes you don't talk about everything with your friends and you'll i'm trying to not give it away so when you Here, right off the bat with this episode, you'll hear something very funny that was not at all scripted. And you know why? Because this podcast is called Daddy Unscripted. If it was scripted, then nothing like what happened in the beginning of this episode would ever happen, right? Exactly. So I'm going to try to get right into this episode so you guys can hear that because it's just too good to miss. So right here, I will remind you all that Daddy Unscripted is one of the very proud members of the Osiris Podcast Network, which you can check out at OsirisPod.com. And right now I will let somebody tell you a little bit more about the Osiris Network. So here we go. Osiris. Hey, what's up? This is Mike Fenoya, host of Amigos Podcast here on the Osiris Network. What is Amigos Podcast? Well, I am a stand-up comedian, writer for True TVs and Practical Jokers, and a music freak. So I invite my pals to come talk music, comedy, and everything in between. So uh, if you want to come hang, we'd love to have you. Thank you. Okay, and we are ready now to listen to this episode with Jeff Bruner. There is a lot in this episode with Jeff, so I hope that you are ready to go into some funny stuff, go into some a little bit deeper stuff, you know, how I do it here on Daddy Unscripted, so expect that, and let's just get right to the conversation with Jeff. All right, today we are here with Jeff Brunner. Uh, I will give you a little lead in. I um, it's, actually, it's actually Brunner. <laughs> Brunner, is that crazy that I never knew that? Uh, I mean, it, how did I never know that? It looks that? like Brunner. It does look like Brunner, and I'm. I don't think I'm even going to edit that out <laughs> because I sh- my embarrassment and humiliation should be out there and. Just so you all know, like I've actually spent time with Jeff and his wife, and I guess I just never said your guy's last name out I mean, loud. To, to you. be fair, if you if you take the word runner and put a B in front of it, that's that's yeah. what you would say. So 
I, wow. You're not the first person to have pronounced it that way. I, I love that I'm starting out on <laughs> such a fantastic point. <laughs> I could hear you making noises, and I was uh, like, oh, shoot, does like, he just not want like, me to should, say his last I, name I at all? Should I break in right now and say something? <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. So we are not here with Jeff Brunner. He could not make it. Instead, we have Jeff Brunner here today <laughs> on the podcast. His even more handsome twin. <laughs> yes. That would be, yeah, your doppelganger. Yeah. Uh, that Brunner guy. Is yeah, forget like about really that, Really mopey. Yeah. He, he lives in Seattle and he's really... He probably doesn't even have kids. <laughs> no. He's on, he's on a completely different... Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't want him on this, on this thing. <laughs> no, no. He's not worth my time. That Brunner guy. Yeah. He probably calls himself Jeef yeah, Brunner. Exactly. Typical yeah. Jeef. <laughs> uh, so, welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Thank <Jeff>. you. <laughs> uh, my, probably, like, I'm just envisioning that runner who's not, because we have said the word runner, this fits perfectly, um, who is like the gun is going off at the race and he takes like one step and just falls flat on his face. So that's the kind of start that this took. But I I will give you a little spoiler alert. In this case, that guy is going to get up and win this race because this podcast is going to not just lay there and watch everybody race by. That's right. I don't know. We're, if we're I, going for the gold. Analogy worked, but what's our yeah. what's our uh, BPM goal for for how we speak? Are we supposed to do a certain cadence for the runners out there? Oh yeah, because there will be people who are potentially like those podcast jogger listeners. I've been doing that. Yeah, yeah, helps pass the time because running can be pretty boring. Yeah, running can be very boring. I. I just pity all those people back in the 80s when yogging first started and we're just going out there and doing nothing. Like we're so spoiled with our iPhones. And that is very true. uh, All of us with our iPod shuffles, if people still use those, if that's still a thing. Maybe they just like carried around boom boxes like John Cusack. Oh, man. That would be strength and cardio all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I do remember like bike riding and walking with my very first like Walkmans. And the worst was when you really were kind of far away from home and you, your tape got eaten by your Walkman (laughs) and like you're there with a string of tape, like shooting out. And yeah, none of these kids have to deal with that. No. Yeah. I was talking to Finley a little bit about that and she her kids are probably going to be like, what's a tablet? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Totally. She's like, what do you mean? We'll still have tablets then. I'm like, well, you never know. Finley. (laughs) Yeah. This thing that you're doing in the air with your hands and all of these symbols are showing up. We used to do that on an actual tablet. Yep. Exactly. I'm still waiting for that. It's going to be like uh, brain implant minority report situation to take over. Yeah. You guys use screens. (sighs) Yeah. How primitive in my brain with my, my head implant. Yeah. She's like not even talking to them with her mouth. They're all just, just saying these things through their brains. Yeah, exactly. So Jeff is, man, I will let you basically describe yourself, but I have known Jeff for, 
Oh my goodness. How uh, long ago was the yeah, whole Flickr days? Late 2000s, mid 2000s, right? Like, yeah, somewhere 2008, yeah, maybe, or something like or that. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. That's when, well, that's when Trish was getting into it. Uh, and then I, I, after she did the first year, then I, I did it for a year, year and a half, too. And then, and then we had kids, yeah. and then all that stopped. <laughs> yep all of that stopped i remember actually thinking at one point i'm gonna do a 365 like starting the day of my child's birth and that work out no i think we got to three or four days yeah yeah, that's uh exactly (laughs) i was gonna say yeah not not months um not three or four kids no not months um so what we're talking about here this since some people won't know about it we met because Flickr. Again, way back in the day, Flickr was Flickr was basically Instagram, or uh, it was kind of like a mix between Instagram and Facebook, and it was huge. I mean, not just for us, like it obviously was huge for us, but Flickr, like for photographers and for social, it was a really big space. Yeah, it was. It was probably like the the first big social photography site that at least that I'm aware of. Yeah. And there was something and I I remember when I found Flickr was I was looking up something for photos and I stumbled into Rebecca and I'm going to say her last name wrong, but it's like Goodleif's and it, the long version looks like like Goodleif Goodleif's or something and I don't speak Icelandic and maybe that should be my Maybe I'll remember to record my intro in Icelandic for this episode, but um, her you can look her up, R-E-B-E-K-K-A, and she had these photos and really she good would stuff. probably like, yeah, and just weird. I had never seen this before, like these the clones that she was doing and how they were interacting, like she was touching, uh, I was going to say that weird, Um she her two clones that she was putting in an, in a single image were physically interacting with one another and it was like mind-boggling to me and so literally that was why i even started taking pictures it's really weird but anyways so there was a project on flickr that somebody who knows who started it and it was called the 365 project and you had to take a self portrait for an entire year straight every day for a year straight and the guidelines like if you were to true to the whatever to the way you were supposed to do it they were only supposed to be self-portraits and this was even really kind of before people were doing selfies well yeah that's and that's why it was actually interesting because yeah exactly anybody could do a selfie a day yeah exactly that's boring even though everybody (laughs) does that yeah, but you're you're setting down your camera and putting it on timer or whatever and doing some kind of a photo and trying to obviously trying to make it interesting for others to see and you know everybody had a different take on it because everybody has a different personality and right. viewpoint so some of them were incredibly like some of them were really heavy like the entire year through and some of them were very personal and some were just very funny and lighthearted and you know i think mine was probably 80 to 90 percent goofy i was just goofing off and having fun and you know sitting in cinco a de mayo. Uh, fountain <laughs> yeah cinco de mayo doing the sink of mayonnaise 
And yours was that same way too. Like yours was probably 90% lighthearted, right? Yeah. Yeah. I generally tried to do funny stuff. I didn't, I never got too deep. Yeah. And I think Trisha's was pretty much that same way as well. Yeah. Hers was pretty lighthearted. She, uh, she did it for like a whole year before I kind of got into it. And yeah, a lot of her stuff was really funny. One of her photos got super popular and turned into a meme and stuff. Oh, which one was or, that? Or what what passed for a meme back then? It was the one where I was farting and like blowing her across the room. <laughs> yeah. You know, like remember I, yes. I was like bent over and she was like flying backwards uh, from my fart. Oh uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know, someday uh, <laughs> you got to make I'm, your kids proud yeah. in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> at my at my funeral. Yeah. That'll that'll show up on the slideshow. Yeah. While, uh, do you have a, I'll just ask this really quick. Do you have a funeral playlist going? I feel bad, but I have one. And whenever I mention it to my wife, she gets like angry at me, but, uh, I haven't put too much thought into that. <laughs> That's some very dark. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, my personality too is kind of just like, don't try not to to be too inconvenient for people. So I think that, yeah, I don't even know. I don't, you know, in terms of like funerals and stuff, like I don't, I don't want to, my, my, if, you know, I'm assuming Trisha's going to outlive me because she, her family has a lot more longevity uh-huh. <laughs> than mine. Yeah. I, and I don't want her to have to worry about putting together anything big. So it's kind of just like cremate me and dump me somewhere. Oh boy. Big Lebowski style. (laughs) So anyway, I don't know about a playlist back back to the three sixty five. Sorry. I don't know. I I this is what happens when I record late at night, I guess. So yeah, we (laughs) met doing that and there were a lot of, there were a lot of very close friendships that were built over three sixty five for sure. And people are doing it from all over the world. And there's Flickr meetups happening all the time. And, you know, a lot of people went out with a bang with their last week or their last photos. And and it worked out perfectly because we, my family has very good friends that we used to go up uh, north and visit always. And that's where you guys were. And so let's jump back now. Let's, because um, I've, I've always known that you and your dad have had a lot of things that you have in common in interest wise. And I, I am not even going to venture to say all of those things because I know you're going to get into some of that. So let's go back in your history. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, my dad and I are, are pretty close. We've always been close. He and I have pretty similar personalities. I think, uh, we like telling stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're both relatively extroverted. Yeah. You know, we get frustrated in similar ways. And I don't know, there's a lot of similarities there. And so he, he and I find it pretty easy to identify with each other and, and talk to each other. And so we've, and we've always had a good relationship and I, I'm really lucky too, that he's always made an effort to, you know, spend time with me and, and my sisters. So it's not just a father son thing, but he, you know, growing up, it was, it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, you know, my my family had kind of the traditional dynamic from the you know 50s 60s 70s 80s mm-hmm. whatever where the dad was the head of the household and and he worked and my mom my mom worked some but it was more you know basically from when my older sister was born until when my younger sister was able to drive you know she didn't really 
do a whole lot of working. It was mostly, you know, taking care of us. And so my dad, uh, because he was away, you know, from early in the morning, you know, we might be able to say good morning to him before he had to head to work. And then we would see him at six o'clock or six thirty or whatever, when he got home, I think because of that, he made an effort to uh, do stuff with us, you know, uh, on weekends and, and uh, he would do occasionally he would do trips, you know, with like just one of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he had a, a, or still has a, a real core group of buddies that he's known at this point now for probably 40, 50 years mm-hmm. through the church that we went to when I was a kid. And uh, so he met all these guys through that church and they all, you know, became and remain really close and they would go on trips together, you know, once a year or something. And some of those are actually, most of those guys had a son or a son and and a daughter or whatever. And so dad would take us, you know, he would take me on a trip, you know, most years, I would say he would take me on a trip with at least one of the other dads and, and the son, Hmm. Uh, you know, we would like go, to Mammoth Mountain and go skiing or something or or something like that. So it was it was pretty pretty neat that he would make time to do stuff like that. And we actually still try to do that. Um one of the guys has a cabin in Montana that he got, you know, a couple decades ago now and uh those trips instead of going to Mammoth, we would, you know, we started going to Montana nice. doing father-son trips there and it's pretty cool cuz it's like you know, five dads and, you know, each one has at least one son. So, you know, lately with all of us sons now having kids of our own and work responsibilities and all that mm-hmm. stuff, uh, it, it's pretty rare these days for all of us to make it. I, I mean, I, the last time that happened was probably six, seven years ago. Yeah. But, but it is, it's still really neat having that time um, to, to, spend with my dad and bond with him. And, and it's, it's, I feel really lucky to have a dad that prioritizes that. And, and even to this day prioritizes uh, having that time and uh, it's pretty special. Yeah. I think a lot of my, at least the people that I know in my generation, including me, like had kids so late that, Mm -hmm having that opportunity for that many good friends, having three generations, you know, to all together is like that, that seems like a gold mine kind of, because I don't know a lot of my friends that are dads kind of like you said, like have their dads or the grandfather of that trio at an age where they're able to do stuff like that. So, right. Yeah, and and you know, uh, just in terms of population trends and all that, that's uh, I, from from what I've read, that's becoming more and more common. Like you said, for people to wait longer mm-hmm. to have kids, you know, it's not like the old days where you know people were having kids regularly at twenty one, twenty two, right. which I'm sure would make it a lot more common for the grandkids and grandpas and and dads to all be able to hang out and do stuff like that together. So I wonder if that's going to continue widening. Yeah. Yeah. It is a weird thought, like thinking about the, Ooh, 
I'm, I think we have a documentary on our hands here, Jeff, that we just have to find <laughs> the right people to work with. And um, if only we knew someone that worked. I know. <laughs> Where could we find that person? Uh. <laughs> oh, what would we call it? But, but the soon, uh, no, the pending extinction of grandparents basically like it is kind of a sad like I'm laughing when I'm saying that but it is sad like for me I didn't have any grandparents past double digits like when I was 10 already all my grandparents had already passed away and um, wow really yeah and my you know my kids have they have three, but it's kind of more sadly, uh, I feel evil saying this, but it's kind of feels more like two to them because my mom is, they don't get to see her very much. Mm. And so really like they have two grandparents, you know, like I said, a lot of my friends are kind of that way where they don't have their parents any longer, or they're just at that kind of age where they kind of have memories like what mine are of my grandparents. So it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I totally know what you mean. Cause you know, thinking about what I was saying with my dad and how he really prioritized spending time with us and, you know, he, he would do the same thing with my older sister, um, take her on father daughter trips with one or two of those other dads and their daughters. It's interesting though, thinking about my dad and his perspective on those relationships with his kids and then comparing it with uh, his dad. Because my grandpa on my dad's side, you know, I, I loved him. You know, he was my grandpa, mm-hmm. but he, you know, they lived, uh, my grandma and grandpa uh, on my dad's side lived in Florida and we would see them generally once a year, maybe, maybe once in a while, twice a year, but that was pretty rare. They were just kind of once, once they retired, they wanted to do their thing. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Right, that's, totally. That's okay. Understandable. Uh, I don't begrudge them for that, but it was just not their priority to, you know, live close to their grandkids or to their kids. And also, you know, I've, I've talked some to my dad, you know, those those trips I go with him, we get to have deeper conversations about stuff like, like that, like parenting. And, you know, we sometimes talk about religion uh which is always really interesting because religion and politics you know you you always say you shouldn't talk about that stuff with family but but with my dad he and i uh, are not on the same page with that stuff Mm -hmm. for the most part i i used to be you know i grew up pretty much believing everything they believed but over the years have uh, kind of drifted away from religion and all that type of thing mm-hmm. and, and, and politically, um, you know, moved away from, from how I was raised. But it, the nice thing is that my dad and I, uh, especially on those trips, we get to have time where we can talk about that stuff. And those conversations are not stressful mm-hmm. and they're not, and they don't, you know, we don't get angry at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can both kind of like articulate our points and understand each other, you know, where each other is coming from. And I think that's another reason that I'm lucky to have, you know, have a dad like that, that I can have conversations like that with. Totally. Because a lot of people steer clear of those types of things with family or just in general. Or they just don't talk anymore. (laughs) Right. Like all the people who have just 
ended family relationships over current political conversations. Uh, are you trying to say that things are polarized right now, Tim? Not at all. No. Not at all. I would never <laughs> I use that word. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Kumbaya. <laughs> totally. Everybody, this country has never been in a warmer never place. Been, never been more united. Yeah, this is global warm. When they say global warming, they're really talking about the warm, fuzzy and fuzzy. That we yeah. get. Exactly. It's the global <laughs> fuzzy warming. Yep. Yeah. No wonder we're not doing anything about it. I mean, why? who doesn't want to feel warm and fuzzy? Yeah, that's what when Trump is tweeting about that, he's saying, like, where are the community hugs that I've been hearing about? Like, I want to love everybody. Everybody. Every Everybody. <laughs> Yeah, no matter who you are, like you, I'm sure there are a lot of fine people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know this isn't a political podcast, but <laughs> it is today. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do some really quick things to put some perspective on all that, and then we'll move kind of a little bit forward. But what what year was your dad? What time frame was your dad born? Uh, he is seventy, so okay. he was, oh, he was wow. born. He's born in the late forties. Okay, and then you and your two sisters, who all live out here in California. My older sister, a year or two, a couple of years ago, I guess, moved to Michigan, which oh, uh, wow. I'm sure she was really loving a week or two ago. Oh, and my younger sister still, yeah, still lives in California. And your dad's in California. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Down in like the Palm Springs kind of area. Oh, okay. I know you went to USC. Mm-hmm. Did your dad go to USC also? Yes, he did. And so did my mom. Okay. Yeah. I uh, grew up wa- always wanting wanting to go there, always cheering for the Trojans. That was definitely something that we we bonded over. So when I, when I got accepted to go there, that was super exciting for oh, me man. because it was just growing up. That was just always where I wanted to go because both my parents went there and yeah, uh, yeah just grew up loving it. So that's part of the reason why all of my social media things are annoyingly USC themed. That's okay. <laughs> including There's, my Flickr name. <laughs> that's okay. If, if it, if it was something like Cerritos city college guy, or something like that, then you'd have something to be embarrassed, <laughs> embarrassed about. No, no offense to people who go to Cerritos City of College. Of course I'm sure it's not. A wonderful institution. So, I know. I'm going to get badgered by <laughs> at Cerritos City College guy on yeah. the internet after this comes out. Hey, screw you. Yeah. Cerritos City College for life. The uh, mighty, I don't know, Seahawk <laughs> birds. <laughs> Or something. I, that's not even. That's that too cool. Of sounds a thing right for. to me. Be like the uh, keychains or something like that. <laughs> Cerritos keychains. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh man, you better so, hope there's not a Cerritos. <laughs> I'm probably like guessing all of this correct, like nailing it, and I'm gonna have a whole school like picketing me soon. This yep. podcast is horrible, making fun of our. We were the there mighty probably, keychains, yeah. <laughs> so Trojans, tro, you know, it's a big school. You you got nothing to be ashamed about with that. So then you are. When did you and Trish meet? Uh, we met freshman year, so that would be the late nineties. 
yeah, I've, I've been with her ever since freshman year. We saw each other in the cafeteria. Towards the end of the uh, freshman year, we started constantly looking for each other. Every time, every time I went to go get a meal, you know, I would keep an eye out for that cute girl. Mm-hmm. And she was doing the same for me, apparently. And we uh, eventually, I decided to go over and say hi. And pretty soon after that, we started dating. And then uh, we were together all through college and got married a month after graduating. And oh wow, I'm sure my parents and her parents. Uh, were thrilled when I told them yeah. that I wanted to <laughs> ask her to marry me when I was like 19 years old or something. Yeah. I'm sure that that's every parent's dream. So far, but so look good. look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> We've been married almost 19 years now. Wow. So for any of you parents who your 19-year-olds are telling you they want to get married, just you have at least one success story to be hopeful for. Just look at me. You can achieve your goals. Yeah. Don't, by the way, make sure you do not look at uh, Jeef Brunner. Yeah, that guy's because, a dick. <laughs> yeah, he is living alone. He proposed to some girl and uh, she said no. It was in a Cerritos City College basketball game halftime. And she said no on their, their little big screen, which is only 32 inches because yep. it's City College. And everybody laughed at him. So... Jeff Bruner is doing fantastically. Jeff Brunner, different story. Yeah, they, you don't don't want to pattern your life on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were you going to school for, and what was she going to school for? Uh, well, she was going to film school. And, okay. Uh, I originally started with computer science, and then ended up switching to business because. Uh, Computer science, you know, like I I wanted to do that so that I could create video games. Mm -hmm. And it turns out computer science is actually a lot of sitting in front of a computer writing code and not a lot of playing video games. So Mm -hmm. I figured, hey, you know what? I like to talk to people. Maybe if I switch to business, I could have a job where I like interact with people. And then when I go home, I can play video games. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have to do this stupid code stuff. (laughs) I'll let someone else do the coding. Yeah. Do something that maybe I enjoy a little more. (laughs) So uh, the funny thing is I I ended up uh, still, I I actually do work in IT. So I still do a lot of computer stuff anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a good mix. I get to occasionally interact with people and, and also occasionally play video games. So. And the the interaction with people is not just limited to wearing that headset while you're playing uh, an online game and rousting the uh, 12-year-olds that you're decimating on the battlefields. Calling them, yeah, just calling them noobs and everything. That's... (laughs) (laughs) I I, I never got... I I was never into games at that level. That doesn't count as social interaction? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's social. (laughs) I've been playing games since I was like five or six. I think I got an Atari 2600 when I was like mm. five or six years old. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was hooked. And it's it's kind of amazing how uh, having played for so long and basically been there from the beginning, I, I mean, I realized the Atari 2600 wasn't the first video game ever, but it was kind right. of the first. Close. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of the first major one, right? And so yeah. I've kind of grown up as games have grown up so it's it's interesting 
to me, having seen the whole industry grow up with me and having that perspective of knowing what games were like the original Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and then and, and like just seeing how everything changed and that now games today are so much different and just you know with with online with microtransactions with downloadable content like all that stuff was just unheard of even you know like yeah. 15 20 years ago so i mean like online gaming was a thing in in college but but it was only starting to become a thing i would say but to your point though it is it can really uh, monopolize your life if you let it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and uh something to not pattern your life on jeff bruner <laughs> for is uh, there have been periods of time very very specifically linked to specific games where i did get way too sucked in and honestly like pretty stupidly ignored my wife for months at a time and uh, trust me when i say that was not Uh, not a good way to foster a healthy marriage um you know playing you know getting home from work and just you know immediately firing up the computer or whatever and playing diablo or world of warcraft for hours on end it turns out that doesn't make for a great marriage so I've, yeah, weird. I've managed to find a pretty decent balance between mm-hmm. being a husband, being a father, being a worker, and mm-hmm. also playing games. And yeah, you got to figure out where your priorities are. But thankfully, I managed to do that before I lost the husband title. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which is a, I mean, we're kind of laughing about it, but is a very real thing. Like I, God, it was forever ago. It was maybe 2002. It was shortly before World of Warcraft Mm -hmm. when EverQuest was like the big deal. And I had friends that I worked with that played it and they talked about it all the time. And I got mono twice in a year. And was out of work for like two to three months at two different stretches. And I would have never played it outside of that and would never have really taken the time to. But, you know, I was at home for so long. And And I just try this EverQuest thing. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, this will be. Yeah, (laughs) I'll only play this for an hour. There were days when I would start in the morning and my roommate would come home and be home from work and it would be dark. And she would be like, have you, have you been playing this the whole time? And I would get up and I would feel so nauseous because I'd just been staring at a computer screen moving in that world for, I mean, of course I was getting up here and there, but yeah, I, I talked with a few of my friends at that point because I was like, how do you do, I'm not married and, not married with a kid. How are you doing this? And they would be like, I, yeah, I've been really bad. And, uh, my wife's really mad at me right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, my, I have a friend who recently got separated from his wife because he was playing video games too much. I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, yeah, I can imagine how easy it would be to do that. And, you know, just, you can get sucked into it for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's, dangerously easy 
to get sucked into that stuff. And, and I've had a few points here and there in my life, very, very closely correlated with specific games that put stress on my marriage. And, and in retrospect, I wonder what the hell I was thinking, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the time you just, well, now, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, trench coat Larry is a fun game. You know, how are you supposed to realize that? Is that the name of that <laughs> game? Leisure suit Larry. Leisure <laughs> like trench coat Larry. I'm not sure I want to play I'm that. Making it, I'm making it that much worse because that's what, uh, yeah, that's what I kept hearing that game was like kind of pushing the boundaries of like, wow, this is, you know, yeah. going to be a PG-13 game or something like that. So I imagine he's in a trench coat. I don't think I ever actually played a Leisure Suit Larry game, but I, I was aware of them. They, they sounded pretty funny. They were, you know, weren't they like kind of point and click adventures? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I actually really liked those types of games, those point and click adventures. That's definitely one of those genres that has almost entirely died off, but they were, they were so fun to do back in the day. Which you would think that would be like an easy one to re-establish in the app world, right? Yeah, you know, I think there are even remasters of some of those types of games. So I am actually interested. Let's go back through your youth of this. And you already said the Atari was your first one. So what all consoles have you owned in your lifetime? Uh, all right. So yeah, started with Atari 2600, then got a Nintendo. Then (laughs) I remember, so I was probably like 11 or 12 and it was Christmas and Mm -hmm. I wanted a super Nintendo. Oh yeah. But my parents thought I was going to outgrow video games any day now. So, so they they didn't get me a super Nintendo for Christmas, which, you know, that was pretty spoiled brat thing of me to expect anyway, but they got me a nice pair of shoes and you know, that was very, it was a nice gift. They were nice shoes. I think they were doc Martens or something, which back in the day, those were the shit. Right. And yeah, seriously. (laughs) And I thought about it for a couple of days and I was like, uh, they were actually, I think roughly the same price at the time. (laughs) I, I like where this is going. And I was like, uh, do you think that we could, you know, sorry, sorry to spoil this for anyone who's listening and still believes in Santa Claus, but um, oh, at shoot. the time I had, I had figured out how that all worked. Right. And I was like, do you, do you <laughs> think that maybe we could return these and I could get a super Nintendo instead? And they were like, <laughs> Oh yeah, really? Like, don't you think you're going to outgrow these soon? <laughs> so I always laugh thinking about that because it's, yeah. it stands out to me as a, like a seminal moment in my life. Like, uh-huh. no, I do not think I'm going to outgrow. The turning point that never happened. <laughs> so yeah, needless to say, I did, I did end up getting a Super Nintendo. And then from then on, it was kind of a, a mishmash of things. You know, I still got mostly, you know, I, I stuck stuck with most of the Nintendo systems, but also worked other mm. ones in here and there. Like, you know, I got a GameCube, I got a, a original PlayStation. I'm trying to think of them in order. That's hard because there's that one burst of like all those weird, like the Jaguar system. I did get a Dreamcast, which, I, which was actually the Dream. That was actually a, a really fun system. It, it died a Dreamcast was very cool. quick death, but it was it was yep. a great system. Like they had some really good games for it. Wasn't Dreamcast was was that Sony no, or that was who made that one? 
Oh, Sega. That's right. Okay. I remember the, the two K series. That was their thing originally. And that is one of the things that made me want to get one is the like, yeah. Oh, it was so good. And it was miles beyond anything else. Football wise. Like, you know, Sony had uh, game day, I think on the PlayStation Mm -hmm. and you know, Madden, Madden was okay or whatever, you know, it was all right. And that was pretty much, but it was still very Tecmo ish at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was all, it was all like sprites. And I remember, yeah. So I feel, I feel, I think the Dreamcast came out when I was like maybe a freshman at USC. Like I said, there were other really fun games on the Dreamcast and I was really sad to see it die so quickly. Yep. Um, Yeah. The PS2 actually kind of stole its thunder and killed it. Because the PS2 came yeah. out like a year later, and yeah. like everyone was kind of waiting to, they didn't want to draw buy a Dreamcast until the PS2 came out and they could see the differences. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. of that, like it, the Dreamcast just kind of withered on the vine. And the funny thing is, it's not rational at all. But because of that, I was so bitter <laughs> towards Sony <laughs> that I like refused to get a PS2. Oh gosh! And I was like, "Screw those guys! I'm never buying Sony stuff." They killed, <laughs> they Dreamcast. killed the Dreamcast. <laughs> I will yeah. never buy the Sony product again. <laughs> uh, uh, you're like the one guy picketing uh, outside of Sony. Bring back Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of getting a PlayStation Two, like you know, ninety percent of the rest of the the universe, I I bought a uh, GameCube and an Xbox, the original Xbox, mm. and mm-hmm. and you know what that xbox was pretty revolutionary for the time yeah it was the only console that had a hard drive built into it so it allowed them to do certain types of games that just literally could not be done on the ps2 and um, gamecube because they didn't have hard drives so like uh there was a game knights of the old republic it was a star wars uh rpg Mm. Oh, such a great game. Yep. I played that game a lot. That game, uh, it was, it blew me away. Like, and that game was only mm-hmm. available on Xbox and I think maybe on PC, um, but I'm not even sure about that. But it was, as, as far as consoles went, it was only on Xbox. And man, like that game was amazing to me. That kind of started my, my love of BioWare, who is the company that made that game. And mm-hmm. then they, they went on to make Mass Effect uh, which I don't know if you've played any of hmm. those games, but in terms of storytelling, that first game was amazing. And then what was also kind of revolutionary for the time when Mass Effect 2 and 3 came out was that your those Mass Effect games are very story-driven and very character-driven, and they give the players a lot of choice over what they're going to do in, in, in a given situation. And so there were certain decision points in Mass Effect 1, where you would say, okay, am I going to do this or am I going to do that? And those decisions you made would have repercussions that lasted all the way through the whole series. So hmm. at the end of the third game, you know, there would be like this big culmination of the story arc of your character. And choices that you made in the first game, you would see them carry over into the end of the third game, wow. which I just found really neat. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't yeah. totally done to the potential that they they could have done it, but it was still pretty damn cool to see people yeah. showing up in in the third game 
that and and mentioning something that you did in the first uh, it was really neat it was just like it really made you feel this ownership of your character mm-hmm. and of your story and, and i think that's pretty pretty neat yeah there's a place near here and i've gone there with friends a few times over the past couple of years and it's one of those like game places that you can play almost any mm-hmm. game uh, on almost any console and then they have PCs set up as well and it's kind of cool doing that because I I don't have any consoles in my house I haven't for a long time and um, I know a lot of my friends are like that but they're kind of like me like we grew up I, th- I think there's it's it's different now because of uh, tablets and and your phones and everything, the difference between the console world and uh, I guess apps, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to generalize it in that way to when we were kids, when, you know, it was like, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you. So, you know, we had Ataris and then the really like ritzy um, friends that I knew had in televisions Mm -hmm. and that was like a step up. And that was, I think a lot more expensive than Atari's and it was the controller was the weirdest thing on the planet. Was that the one where you like slide in a, yeah, you like slide a in a card plate or and, something. And it looked almost, if you didn't have the car, every game had a card that you would slide in yeah. and it slid over numbers. The, the, yeah, the yeah, thing yeah, looked yeah. like a phone, like a phone pad right, with like tons of buttons on it. And then it had a little turn knob at the bottom. <laughs> um, so weird. It was really odd. And, uh, you know, we, I think almost, I don't know, almost all of my friends had some console at some point in their lives of their teenage years. Like it was just kind of the thing, like, and maybe I'm spoiled because I lived in Orange County in Southern California, but that was like, you know, tons of kids had consoles and I think it's yeah something that our generation like have that in our past, like a lot of other things. But, you know, we also, I think that's another thing talking about balance that is very important to strike. And I think that that's something that gets talked. I think that's maybe a little bit close to, you could almost use the word polarizing about parenting nowadays and how much they talk about how bad screen time is for kids and make sure Mm -hmm. you're not letting your kids spend too much time on whatever watching tv and i think that it is funny to me because of the place that it is coming from is our generation that has that balanced mix of a lot of us were playing outside all the time but also like playing on consoles all the time and um you know going to the arcades and whatever so yeah i mean it's important uh, to to get a good balance. Uh, you know, like I said, my kids are a little bit cursed maybe because I do play video games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I do know more than maybe the average parent might. And I follow it. I definitely follow it more than, than the average parent probably does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you said, you know, there's, there's a lot of people our age that grew up playing games, but don't do it anymore. Right. And I am one of those nerds that never stopped. And, yeah. and so my kids, uh, you know, in a way that's probably cool for them because I appreciate games and am not like shaking my fist and saying, you kids with your screens. Or yeah, whatever. But, yeah, yeah. But, but on the other hand, I 
because I am familiar with, you know, like because I have played Fortnite or games like that, uh, you know, I, I know what they're about Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's so, it is so easy now with, you know, screens are everywhere right? that it, it is really easy to fall back on that too often and not get your kids out of the house. And, and I mean, I, I have a hard time motivating myself to get out of the house, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I actually work from home most of the time. And, um, if I'm caught up on work and, and feel like I need a break or whatever, you know, it, it's hard for me to not turn on my Xbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. What I should be doing is, you know, going out and taking a run or something, which yeah. I've been, I've actually lately been trying to do. And, yeah. and I, I gotta say, I don't enjoy it, uh, but <laughs> I don't like it at all. I don't like it, but I am, I am trying. Yeah. Uh, I am, I'm trying to make an effort, but man, I'd, I'd, I would much rather be at home playing Xbox. That is no joke. <laughs> I, I think that that's like really normal. Like, and I think as we get older too, you know, for me, I'm not at all in shape. I'm, you know, I'm not 350 pounds like yeah. Jeef Brunner, but yeah, that guy. Yeah. Did we forget to mention how heavy he is? <laughs> yeah. He's, he just sits <laughs> around. Yeah. But, you know, I also, find it very difficult to say, I know I need to eat better, so I'm going to eat a kale and persimmons and jicama salad every day with a light spritzing of um, vinegar, oil, sediment, or whatever. Like, that doesn't sound good to me. Like, I don't want yeah. that. It's not tasty. I hate kale. And so like there are those things that, that are difficult. Um, and I, you know, there are times where I literally just have to say to myself, it's okay that I'm not going to enjoy this thing, you know, that I'm not going to enjoy doing 30 sit-ups right now and I'm going to hate it. But I know that in the long run, it's going to be better for me and whatever. And I grumble my way through whatever that thing may be. Now I'm telling you this after I, you know, probably plowed through like eight to 10 Oreos tonight. So take it for what we had three pieces of pizza and a beer. So (laughs) (laughs) they were thin. They were the thin ones. At least I I did go for a run today. There you go. I I earned that beer. I did my, I did my squats at work. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, so now, you know, we are talking about this and I know that, you know, for me, like on that line of health and whatever, I've probably been, I think I've gone to the ER, um, maybe six times in the past three years, maybe three to four for all kinds of different things. You know, once I had cellulitis, you really like the cafeteria there. I, yeah, there's this one nurse there. (laughs) That I just can't get enough of. No, the, um, it's been really random. Like one time I had cellulitis in my leg and had no idea what was going on. I've never had that. Never really. I don't even heard know what it. that is. It's like a uh, an infection of your cells, and it can be really oh, wow. bad if you don't catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was 
out golfing one day, being active, sort of. And yeah, I mean, walking yeah, is good. Just realized that my leg was like hard as a rock and oddly colored. Like, damn, and, I'm getting a good workout today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at my look at my uh, calves, you guys. <laughs> They're rock hard. <laughs> so uh, you know that was super random. Um, yeah. One time I was on the last day of our annual man trip where a bunch of us go snowboarding and go to a different place every time. And we were in Utah, I think. And it was the last day. And I had had this weird thing for a while before that, where I would be like drinking a drink and uh, whatever it was, water, coffee. And it was like my epiglottis word of the day shut off. And like, I couldn't swallow what I was drinking. And a couple of the times I ended up having to like, just spit it out because it literally, my throat would not open its door basically Mm. is the best way to say it. It was really weird. And, uh, we were at breakfast right before we were going to go to the airport and it happened to me again. I had a big gulp of coffee in my mouth and I started choking and gagging and I got up it was in a restaurant and I got up and I was looking for the bathroom and I fell to the ground collapsed and started seizing and one of our friends that was there is an ER doctor and he like ran over yeah I had a massive vassal vagal response basically and I over time came home went on that flight shortly after that very freaked out I ended up going to the ER right when I got home and found out I have massive reflux issues. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, like who would have, even if somebody told me you have massive reflux issues, I never would have imagined myself collapsing in a restaurant because of it. And like when I did that, I passed out and seized. So I was like completely gone and shaking. Jeez. Uh, on the ground. So it was like really weird. So I've had all these different things and, you know, it's created that twofold different thing. One of, even though I hate kale, I need to find a way to, you know, be healthy and be aware of how I'm not very fit. And do I want to make those kind of sacrifices every once in a while? So maybe I can, meet my kids' future spouses and their children someday. And as well as like, you know, trying to embrace more of what's going on in my life and be that cliched person that is realizing that life is and can be fleeting and all of that stuff. So I know that you have recently had weird, weird things come on to you that uh, that's a horrible way to say it. <laughs> yeah. You well, yeah. Some strange women coming on to you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, a very no, that's strange G- one. That's Jeef. Yeah. That's he's yeah. He gets nothing but strange women coming on. To him. Yeah. In Yahoo chat rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I don't, I don't know if it's uh, the fact that I'm, Know, about to turn 40 or, or whatever and my body has just decided it's time to start being weird but um yeah it's like four or four months or so ago my wife was out of town uh for work and my kids actually got to have a, a friend sleepover and so it was 
I was the sole adult, you know, taking care of them and they went to bed and, you know, I played video games for a while and then went to bed myself. And then I woke up the next morning and found like a really big mark on my head. Like, like I had been whacked in the head and mm-hmm. I had no idea what the heck had happened. And then I also noticed that my, uh, my mouth hurt. Like my, my tongue felt really sore. And I, I, I thought maybe it was like, just, I had a really dry throat for some reason, mm-hmm. but then I looked at my tongue in the mirror and it was like totally chewed up. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought either I sleepwalked and like just in my sleep ran into a wall or something and mm-hmm. then, and then sleepwalked back to bed. Or I was like, this kid that is sleeping over, <laughs> did he like attack me or something? What, what, what the fuck happened uh, last night? Yeah. Um, and funny thing is, so I, I didn't really think anything. I mean, I, I, I didn't diagnose myself with anything other than maybe mm-hmm. I sleepwalked. Right. So uh, I posted a picture of my forehead on Facebook and I was like, this is so weird. I woke up this morning with this on my head. I have no idea how. And also my tongue is all chewed up and I had a, a few people, including a girl I went to high school with and, and end up, ended up becoming a uh, neurologist say that actually sounds like you had a seizure. Huh. Uh, so you should probably like contact your doctor and schedule something. And I was like, and eh, that, that can't be, I mean, I, I don't have epilepsy. So <laughs> why would I, it's not like, you just don't get seizures out of nowhere when you're, yeah, when, you're yeah. when you're my age, right? Because you know most of the time people, if they develop epilepsy, they have it when they're kids, right? Or percentage wise, I think the vast vast majority of people who get epilepsy get it in their twenties or earlier. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm I'm almost forty, so I I didn't think that it could be epilepsy, but the more I thought about it, and the more I thought about the the things that I felt that morning. Uh, the more I realized that it was maybe a possibility. So I like, I scheduled an appointment, you know, I, I wrote to my doctor, uh, kind of described what I found that morning and she scheduled me for like a, a couple tests. And the following weekend, Trish was home and, you know, we went to bed Friday night and kind <laughs> of going back to those father son trips that I mentioned earlier, Mm-hmm. That Saturday morning, I was scheduled to fly to Montana. Uh, oh wow! To go there with my dad to celebrate his seventieth birthday, and uh, so I go to sleep Friday night. Wake up Saturday morning at four a.m. and there are like five paramedics in my room. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, hi, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so evidently that night at. 345 or whatever it was, I had another seizure. And uh, that, that time, obviously Trish was home to see it and right. she called 911. And, you know, like I said, I, I woke up, I, I had no idea that I had had one uh, yeah. e- either time. Uh, I was asleep yeah. both times. Um, so it, it, the, the w- kind of weird thing about it is that like the, the whole, whole experience of, you know, being taken out of my house in a, stretcher and put in an ambulance with stuff hooked up to me and going, you know, that was all kind of traumatic, but, Mm -hmm. um, 
but the actual seizure part of it, I think was way more traumatic to my wife than to me. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, because God, I can not even imagine. Yeah. Cause you know, like it's not scary to me cause I didn't see it. Right. So yeah, I, I called my dad uh, that morning and I said, Hey, uh, I'm in the hospital right now. You know, I'm supposed to be at SFO in like four hours. I think that <laughs> yeah, probably not going to make, well, it. well, the funny thing is I actually said, I think that maybe if they release me soon, I could still maybe make it. My dad, oh my, my dad was like, Jeff, <laughs> dude, <Yeah. laughs> you, you are not going to Montana today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it was like, my dad is, is a very caring person and, uh, he, he and my mom, like, I, I think it might've been even that day they flew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of going to Montana with my dad for four days, they spent the following week or week and a half or whatever up with us helping out and, and all that. Because, um, when you have a seizure in the state of California, at least, uh, you're not allowed to drive for at least three months. Oh, wow. And so that, man, the, talk about putting extra stress on your, on your wife. Like my, yeah. my poor wife is, you know, she came through like a champ. I, I <laughs> people ask me now, like, Oh, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And, and it's, you know, super nice of them to care and to ask. Yeah. But truth of the matter is it hasn't been a big deal for me health wise. Uh, mm-hmm. because you know, that, that Saturday when I was at the ER, they started me on medication and now I just take that medication twice a day for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. And, uh, so far, you know, I haven't had any more seizures. So, that, yeah. like, and I feel totally normal. I don't feel not myself or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's really nice of people to, to ask me how I'm doing and how I'm feeling and, and all that. But truth of the matter is the, the person that was probably most affected by this was my poor wife who, who, mm-hmm. you know, just for only like a week or two ago, I finally got cleared by the DMV to drive again. And you have no idea the, what relief I felt because, you know, I, I contribute a lot at home. Yeah. You know, yeah. like uh, my wife and we have a, we have a modern relationship where, you know, we, there's not like typical gender roles or whatever. Right. So like I do, especially cause I work from home. Right. It's, 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 right. it's very easy for me to, uh, you know, take some time to do some laundry or, or, you know, I, I pick up the kids from school. She takes them to school in the morning on her way to work. I make dinner and breakfast and all that, you know, like, so, so I, I I've still been able to contribute for those four months in those ways, but my God, man, it's, it's been a huge burden on her just in terms of just driving it. You don't realize until you can't do it. You don't realize how much you can't contribute (laughs) when when you can't drive, you know? So like our daughter does gymnastics twice a week on weekdays and she needs to be there at four. And so that's twice a week. My wife was having to leave work at like two Mm -hmm. and just for that. And then, you know, and then the other days she would still have to leave early to make sure she could get the kids before their after school care closed and all that. And Mm -hmm. just, I mean, four months of that, it's, 
I, I, I honestly like have no idea how I can even make that up to my wife because th- that's so much extra work that she has done for, for those four months. And I love her so much for it. And when I talked to, I, they, they had me do like a over the phone and, uh, swear in and promise that you haven't had seizures type of deal before they would give me hmm. my uh, license back. And uh-huh. my wife happened to be home that day when I had that call. And like, as I hung up the phone and, you know, the, the lady said, okay, well, it seems like everything's in order, you know? And I, I said, okay, so that's great. You know, when, when, when should I be able to drive again? You know, is it like now, or do I need to wait to get something in the mail whatever? And she said, oh, yeah, it'll probably be about five days or so. And, and I thanked her. And then as I was hanging up the phone, I literally just started crying <laughs> because mm-hmm. because I yeah, it, it, I just felt useless, even though even, yeah. even though I, you know, like I said, I was still contributing in as many ways as I could. But that that feeling of uselessness is tough. And, and it's it's not even really feeling sorry for myself here it's it, i just hated putting that that type of pressure on my wife so yeah uh, so that's been that's been a huge relief and and like i said i feel totally normal which is great <laughs> yeah seriously and, and, and no more seizures and hey you know if it means i have to take medication twice a day for the rest of my life so be it that yeah there's there's worse things that's doable <laughs> yeah well, that's, that's good to hear. I know that like, I remember seeing that post briefly on Facebook and being like, Oh, that is weird. Woke up with a bump on your head. And then like, it was quite a while and I don't spend as much time on Facebook as I used to. And then I saw everything coming out. And I think I was one of those people that was like, Oh, how are you doing? Because it was just like, well, yeah, I, going from that yeah. to that, I was like, Holy shnikes. That's right quite a turn of events yeah and you know i i'm not criticizing anyone that acted that way that that that's a completely oh yeah that's completely normal. normal reaction to have and yeah. i and i i appreciate everyone carrying and and asking me that that's not at all what i'm saying but it's just uh it, it's it, it's had a much bigger effect on on my wife than it has on me to be honest and, and yeah uh, i'm just i'm really happy that for that to be over. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Oh, I should probably figure out something to do for her, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't really figure out what to do for Valentine's Day, so, uh, so I got you this card. I got you a bunch of hamburgers. I paid. Yeah. <laughs> I actually set you up. I made it the perfect night for us. I set you up with um, these movies that you love, and I figured I'd just play Xbox. Yeah, you like you like the you know you know that show you like to watch that I don't like to watch. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna yeah. let you watch that tonight. I'm gonna go play exactly. Some Xbox. I'm not I'm gonna, gonna go, judge you. I'm at gonna go all. play Rocket League. <laughs> you you get to keep up with the Kardashians tonight, yep. and uh, Happy Valentine's Day. With, yeah, <laughs> love you. <laughs> Oh man. Uh well, that is a very satisfying and uh, I'm I'm glad that it is where it is for you with all of that like sincerely. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Something that is uh, controlled like that is 
uh, I'm sure massively relieving. And I'm, I'm pretty sure like I know Missy, like she didn't have to witness my stuff, but she's heard of it Mm -hmm. and she has come and seen me when I'm in the ER and I know what kind of effect that that alone had on her. So I'm sure that that is something that will stick with Trish, unfortunately, for a while. Yeah, um, she she still gets kind of choked up if if that story comes up, just because I think that those images of me, you know, seizing up, I I don't think she, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I think just comes flooding back. Yeah. And that, that like, for you, especially like being asleep and not really knowing even that it's going on. And then I have witnessed that in person and the helplessness that the other person feels, especially if they are not, even when somebody knows that somebody has seizures regularly and what you do for them, basically like holding them while they are doing it and making sure that they don't uh, choke on their own tongue or whatever, like that still is like just so waiting it out kind of feeling. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't be fun. I'm happy that it's much better. No, (laughs) yeah, no. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I am too. Cool. Well, um, thank you very much for telling all of these stories and, um, telling us about your dad as well and that relationship. So thanks for taking some time out tonight and being a part of this and yeah, thanks for inviting inspiring me. us with your stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, if you see Tro- Trojan guy 2k on rocket league or whatever though, you know, just, just let me win because I, I'm, you know, I'm almost 40. I could really use the uh, moral, moral support. <laughs> uh, yeah. Trojan guy 2k. That's yeah. <laughs> that's my Xbox. Uh, gamer tag (laughs) that's so so just so you all know i asked jeff before we started recording if he wanted to throw anything out there as social media or anything so i'm happy that the the one thing that you did (laughs) throw out there was was your username on games yeah not not that anyone's really gonna want to go out of their way to play with me because i'm not uh (laughs) amazing at them but you know i I do have fun with them when i can All right, cool. Well, thanks again, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. Okay, and that is the end of my conversation with Jeff Bruner. Not Brunner, Jeff Bruner, as I learned very early on in this episode. Very interesting to me. I really was flabbergasted by that revelation that I've known this guy for well over 10 years and his wife and never once apparently said their last name to them ever. Just craziness to me or heard them say it to anybody. That's so weird. But you never know. The things you will uncover on this podcast and learn about even those tiniest of mysteries of people. So thank you all for listening. And again, thanks to Jeff and Trish for sacrificing some of their time on a weeknight for us to be able to record this episode and hear some of those stories of Jeff's life and his father's life as well. So Jeff didn't really have many things to point you in the direction of, but I do. 
I am going to tell you to find Daddy Unscripted on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all as Daddy Unscripted. The email for the podcast is daddyunscripted at gmail.com. Again, you can leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. I would love that. Would love to see some new reviews coming in. Let's me know what you guys think. If you're enjoying this, what you're enjoying, what you're not. I would love to see some more of those come in and I would love to continue to get some emails from you guys with some of your fantastic ideas of guests that I can have on the podcast. Again, I will take this opportunity to thank Humphreys McGee for letting me use their music throughout the podcast. Thank you to that fantastic band, their management, all of them. You should check them out at Humphreys.com and see where they are playing near you this year because I'm sure it's going to be happening and they are absolutely brilliant to watch and witness live. And I will again remind you that Daddy Unscripted is one of many podcasts on the Osiris Podcast Network. Let's see, which one should I even pick to tell you guys about tonight? I will send you in the way of the Amigos podcast this time with host Mike Fanoia, who is a comedian and is out of the New York area. He has this great podcast on the Osiris Network called the Amigos Podcast. I guess it's just called Amigos, right? Amigos. And he is chatting with a bunch of different guests. He talks about music. He talks about comedy. He's digging deep with some of these people And you can hear him talk to some fantastic guests on there, including the host of another Osiris podcast, Tom Marshall, the host of Under the Scales. And I could just go on and on because there's so many great things in Osiris. But make sure you check out the Amigos podcast to hear some cool interviews and banter back and forth with Mike Fenoya and his various guests. So since I greeted you all to my podcast in Icelandic, on behalf of Rebecca, the photographer I told you all about, who you should check out, I will bid you a goodbye in Icelandic as well by saying, Ego de golden dag, which means have a nice day. Have a nice day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode and keep your eyes out for the next episode, which should be out in the next two or three weeks or so. Thanks, you guys.